The title of the sermon is what no one wants to talk about, and it's hell. Nobody wants to talk about hell. We won't talk about heaven. So most of the people in here are going to heaven. So why are we talking about hell? Because you need to stand up and be a warrior for God because there are people going to hell around you. Okay, that's, that's the heart of this message. When are you going to stand on your feet and stand up for God instead of just going with the flow, going to work, coming home? When are you going to stand up and be that light, the salt of the earth, the light to the world? It's what God's called us to be. It's time to quit playing, isn't it? So that's why we're talking about hell. If you don't think that the end times are getting closer and closer, every day it's getting closer. I've heard it all my life, but boy, oh my, I've never thought the crazy stuff that's going on now would be going on. When it said those that deny Jesus is Lord, they're not of God, and I thought, well, duh, and you see it. It's crazy stuff. But Jesus is Lord, and there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There's a hell to walk away from and a heaven to walk into. This place is not our home. There's an eternity And people are going to hell all the time, and we need to step up. And that's what we're going to talk about and look at some things. But, but, you know, I just want to throw out some things to you. Do you know Jesus talked more about hell than heaven? Because he didn't want people to go there 33 times. I mean, he only was in ministry 36 months, so 33 months, maybe you didn't want to go to his church. But we're going to talk about hell. We're going to explain some things why a good God, a loving God, that people go to hell. I can't believe God will let people go to hell. No, he doesn't. They choose to. They reject him. Let's just go ahead and dive in it. Anybody other than me ever been rejected by maybe, you know, you was in junior high and you liked that girl and she goes, oh, you're ugly, you're stupid, your, your hair, your teeth crooked and your eyeballs are green. And, and you ever felt that rejection? It hurt. Do you know God's hurt when he's rejected? The Bible says he gets angry. The Bible said he gets upset. I mean, he's, he, he changes his mind because, remember Moses coming through Egypt and all the people with him, and God said, I'm starting over with you. Come on, God gets hurt when people reject him. But it's our, our, our we're supposed to live a life that people want to go, what do you have? We're supposed to be able to share Jesus, that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. If you can quote that, you can get the world saved. But you're walking around with, mm, mm, mm. I can't tell anybody that. That might be embarrassing. Well, maybe I'll stir you in bones today. Let me say this. In Isaiah 5, 14, write it at the top. Get a pen. You're going to take some notes today. But this is... Uh, This is a scripture that wasn't in the notes, but I decided to add it because hell was not made for people. And look at what it says. Sheol is the Hebrew word for hell, and they should have put hell in there, but that's all right. Therefore, hell has enlarged itself, opened its mouth beyond measure, their glory and their multitude and their pomp, talking about people who just serving themselves. And then verse 15, the common people will be humbled, and the person of importance brought low, the eyes of the haughty are brought Low. Hell was enlarged when Adam and Eve fell and man started walking in sin. Hell was enlarged for them. So, so just keep that in mind. It wasn't made for people. Okay? 
So I know I'm, I'm, I'm a little excited too, but you know, and, and the thing about it is, it, hell's talked about 167 times in the Bible. And here, I, I, the last time I preached, we had a guest minister that goes around the world. But I woke up at 5.30 in the morning and uh, Monday, last Monday, start talking about this, thinking about this. And here I found statistics again, and I'm not a statistic preacher or whatever, but it's something you need to hear, okay? 35% of Baptists don't believe in a literal hell. 54% of Presbyterians don't believe in a literal hell. 58% of Methodists don't believe in a literal hell. 60% of Presbyterians don't believe in a literal hell. And here's the one that just, just shocks you. 71% of cemetery students, <laughs> seminary students, 71% don't believe in a literal heaven or a literal hell. What in the world are you going to be preaching? Jesus talked about heaven. Jesus talked about hell. Come on, Jesus is perfect doctrine. He is the word that became flesh. I don't say anything. He talked about hell 33 times. I don't say anything unless the Father told me to say it. I don't do anything unless the Father told me to do it. He is perfect. And so there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And as we look at this, we just got to be real. I'm going to talk about these things. And, and, and so just going to give you some things about hell. It was not, say it's not from me. Okay? So, so there, there, there are different people, and we know what an atheist is, an agnostic, okay? You really can't be an atheist because you don't have all knowledge. But an agnostic is somebody says, I don't believe there's a God, I don't know if there's a God, and I don't think you can know there's a God. Well, I know there's a God. His spirit lives on the inside of me. There is a God, and, and I need to live it and walk in it uh, enough that people would know that they can see a God in me, how, how we act and how we live. But, but, and so let's just go into Christians who don't believe. Crazy. Some people are annihilationists. What they believe, they take, they, they take the scripture that everybody goes to hell would eventually be annihilated. Uh, and Matthew 10, 28, one scripture does not make doctrine where fear God who can destroy the body and the soul. Well, that, that, you can't make a doctrine out of one scripture, but they believe everybody will be annihilated in hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. You got ultimate reconciliation that, that eventually everybody that goes to hell, eventually, uh, like hell's a place of pur purification. You know, one of these days you're going to get burned up enough, you get purified. That's not what hell is either. And, and then you got people who are universalists that, you know what, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to hell. That's not what the Bible teaches either. Be ye holy as I am holy, says the Lord. Come out from among them, be separate. Do not touch the unclean thing. There's things that you can do if you just keep walking in that you're going to sear your conscience to sin. And you can't have the victory. And, and you know, I, I can argue once saved, always saved. And I can argue that you can lose your salvation because it's all in the Scripture. Let's quit arguing and let's say everybody needs Jesus. We don't argue the Word. Live it to the best of your knowledge and study it out. And because it, it, it's both ways. The, the Bible says that your name can be blotted out. And I say that, you know, nothing can take you out of his hand. Just don't argue the word. Let's just press into God. Don't live on the edge where, you know what, I can just feel out there what the, what the world's doing. And, uh-uh, come on in, in, get in. Get in and quit playing. Quit playing. And, and, you know, I, I, you have been like me. I've been in sermons when I was a kid. They preached hell so hot, you'd singe the hair on your head. That's what happened to mine. And your shoes are melting. 
Your shoes are melting, but I'm, that's not the sermon I'm talking about today. I'm teaching you about hell so you will have a burning desire. See, there's the fire of God, there's the fires of hell, that you'll have the fire of God to see people saved. God's called us to save people. And, and healing is a calling card. You can pray for the sick and that God will touch them and they go, there is a God. So we're going to read this story in Luke 16, but, but I want to explain to you that this is a true story. Jesus taught by parables. He taught by similes or similar. The kingdom of heaven is similar to a, a sower who sows the word. That, that's a parable, uh, a story, or, or even metaphors. But likened to a similes, it's similar. The, he, the kingdom of heaven is similar to help us understand. But this is a true story that Jesus told because he named people and, and he looked at. So look, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. It says, certain rich man, and he lived sumptuously. I mean, he's high on the hog, as they say in the country. He's got it made. Verse 20, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, not the Lazarus Jesus raised from the dead. It's just a common name, full of sores and was laid as a gate, During, uh, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, Abraham's person, and the rich man died also. Let's stop right there just for a second. I've taught this. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's life after death. I love it because it's life after death. There's life after death. The Bible says be absent from the bodies to be in the presence of the Lord now. But this story was before Jesus died on the cross. Okay? And so we're going to explain what's going on here, and we'll talk a little bit about it. There's a place called Abraham's bosom, and there was a gulf uh, between them, and then there's hell. Okay? The people who died in faith in the Old Testament, Hebrews 11, all the prophets, all the people who loved God, they went to Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is in heaven now. Okay? Abraham's bosom's in heaven. All those who died in faith. It says Abraham and all those died looking for a country whose builder or a city whose builder and maker was God. They're looking for the city of heaven. But they couldn't go there because Jesus had not yet died. They they'd sacrificed lambs for their, for their sins, but their sins were covered and not washed away. Our sins are washed away. Say, thank you, Jesus. We are washed in the blood, Okay. And we go directly to heaven if you're a believer. If you believe that you've been washed in the blood, if you ask him to cleanse you, you go straight to heaven. Boom. There's no soul sleep. There's no ghost. That's demonic activity. There's no ghost. Uncle Fred's floating around here. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's either in heaven or he's in hell. And there's demonic activity is what people are chasing. Let's get it straight. Now, now let's, let's look. And so... The rich man died and was buried. And the rich man, in verse 23, being in torment in hell or Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, wait a minute. And I always, this is what I always teach it, but we're going to talk about the rich man in hell and what he feels and what he senses and what he sees. But I want you to recognize that he saw Lazarus. He probably didn't even care anything about when he's not, but he recognized Abraham. The Bible says that you're going to be known as you are known as soon as you bust heaven wide open. 
People are going to know your name just by looking at you and know you, your characteristics, faithful, true, just, holy, whatever it is. Well, I'm not that. Then change. Change right now. Become who God's called you to be. Become who God has called you and has a purpose for you. And we think, well, I need to make money. Uh, I need to get married. I need to have kids. That's all good, but that's not your purpose in God. Okay? That's not your purpose. You have a purpose. You have a place in the kingdom of God. I always like to say a place at the table because it's going to be a big table, marriage, supper of the Lamb. And everybody in the family is invited. I want you to make sure today you're in the family. But if those are in the family, I want you to get a fire, the fire of God in you, uh, being light. And so we're going to talk about this. And, he, and, and so he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus, and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received the good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us there is a great gulf fixed that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, and those who want to pass to us they can't either. So verse 27, then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. And I have five brothers that he may testify of them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if one was raised from the dead. And you want proof of that? Jesus was raised from the dead, and people didn't want to believe it. And they still don't. But Moses and the prophets. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All the rest of them were written by prophets. We, you know, we have the prophets. They wrote the Bible. Let them hear the Bible. You need to get in the Word. How do we live in this life? Get into the Word. God's got, God's got your life laid out in this Word. Go find it. Don't be like, like, like men and uh, forget the instructions. We're just going to put this together. Yeah, where'd this part go? I don't know. We don't need it. Yes, you do. You need everything the Word has for you. You need everything God has for you. Quit bypassing the instructions. That means read the Bible, okay? Read the Bible. So, Jesus talked about Hell being a place of fire, um, lake of fire, flame of fire, furnace of fire. And you notice in this, he goes, he was in torment. It said it three times. Tormented, torment, torment. There's three definitions. If you want to like do a Webster dictionary definition, torment. It is, uh, torment is like uh, intense pain from a disease. Two would be putting on a rack of torment. Uh, called a rack where it's got nails in it, and they bend you over, and they stretch you out till the nails go through you. That's torment. But really, I think this is the last one, where the fire is so hot it can melt metal. And when I read that, I thought about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown in the fiery furnace, and they survived because it looked like the Son of God's in there with them. But you know the people that threw them in the fire, it killed them? It killed them. 
I mean, you two throw him in the fire, you two throw him in the fire. The ones who threw him in the fire, they piled up and died right there because the fire was so hot. Okay? So, three things that happen to a person who goes to hell. They're in your notes. Number one, he desires comfort. He desires comfort. In, in verse 24 that we just read, he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, St. Lazarus, that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He needs some comfort. Y'all, it's everlasting discomfort. Uh, dip his finger in water. Again, I want to remind you, hell was not prepared for him. It's not prepared for you. But let me tell you a little secret. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is prepared for you. God wants a family. God wants a family. And it's prepared for you to be his family. When you accept Jesus, you become a part of the family of God. Jesus taught our Father. Come on, he's our father. He helps you recognize that it's family. God loves you so much, he wants you in his family. That Jesus came and died for you to be in his family. Say amen or oh me. Some of y'all are like, oh me. But God wants you in heaven. He has prepared a place for you. He did not prepare hell for you. That's good news. Don't get sullen on me because we're talking about hell. I'm giving you some understanding today. Hell was not for you. Heaven was for you. And every person you see, even the ones you don't like, your mother-in-law, father-in-law, sister-brother, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, people you work with, your boss, don't be Johnny Paycheck. Take this job. Never mind. <laughs> Jesus died for them. The people that you don't like, Jesus died for. And if you live the life and you love them anyway, you might draw them into the kingdom of God. If you ask God for the words, he said, don't worry about it. When he said, if you're just thrown in front of somebody, he said, if you'll start, I'll give you the words. You stand before kings, I'll give you the words. Thank you, Jesus. See, we're not alone in this. We have a helper, the Holy Spirit, who empowers us. So, so. Let's dive into number two, because I got a lot more to say. We're just going one through three right quick. He expresses concern. What, what, what was his concern? Then he said, I beg you in verse 27. I beg you, therefore, Father, you would send him back to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Concern. See, life after death, you don't forget what you did. How many times you could have turned? How many times somebody told you about Jesus? Don't tell me God's my judge. Yes, he is. He is. He was concerned. And so in hell, he goes, well, man, maybe Uncle Fred will tell him about Jesus. I know he goes to church. I remember we argued about Virginia Tech football, and we argued about basketball, but he never told me about Jesus. Maybe he'll tell my brothers. Maybe he won't. The concern, not to have anybody else in hell. You see, your solical man, two plus two is four, is still intact. 
the first bicycle you ever rode, going to grandma's house is still intact, even in hell. The torment of what about my family? Somebody tell my family. Can you hear him? Who's the somebody is us, me and you. We got to let this burn in our heart. See, we're chasing, we live in America. We're so Americanized, we chase the dollar, we chase the blessing, we chase this and that, but we're called to be soul winners. Who who wins souls is wise. It's time to focus that we're soul winners. It's time to get people saved. It's time to live it. It's time to walk in it. It's time to pray. It's time to cry. You ever cried over somebody? You ever cried over the boss you don't like? Jesus cried over Jerusalem because it rejected him. Mm. Number three, he seeks consolation. Back to the same verses. He tries to tell himself if someone would go from the dead, rise from the dead, maybe, maybe they would hear. Send somebody back that, that raised from the dead. Maybe they'll believe. And Moses said, no, no. They have to want to. They have to have that desire. Because guess what? Miracles happen all the time. People don't believe it. Because their heart's not right. Look, look, at the, look at the children of Israel came out of Egypt again. They crossed through the Red Sea. You'd think that'd be enough to like, whoo-wee, God's on our side. And they had a fire by day and a, and a cloud by day and a fire by night kept them warm. It's deserts hot, shade in the day, warmth at night. And not even counting out, there are 36 specific miracles. Water coming out of rock, bread falling out of heaven. Come on. But yet in their heart, they were still a slave. When are you going to break that slave mentality out of your heart? God hasn't called you to be a slave. He's called you to be a child of God. If one would raise from the dead, he'd have, he wanted to just send somebody back and I'd feel better about it. There's no feeling better about anything in hell. But it wasn't made for you. And it wasn't made for the people that you're called to witness to, to stand in the gap for. Let me remind you that this story is describing hell before Jesus died on the cross. Every person who died before him serving God, they went to Abraham's bosom. But the Bible said before Jesus ascended to heaven, he descended first into the lower parts of the earth. Remember on the cross, he turned to the, to the, to the, the God beside him and said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Because Jesus went to paradise and then I, I believe the devil took him to hell unjustly and God came down and justified you got the wrong one. And the Bible said he made an open show of the devil. If he got horns, he grabbed, drug him around by the horn, okay? And made fun of him in front of all the demons who followed him. You see, hell was made for demons that followed him. Mm. Hell were made for demons who followed Satan. So, let's talk about hell just a little bit. You may want to take some notes because I'm trying to, to put something in you. I'm not putting fear in you because you're going to heaven, Christian. If you're not going to heaven, people, you need to accept Jesus. 
but I'm trying to put a fire in you to stop people from going to hell because it's a serious matter. It's horrible. And we don't, I mean, anybody other than me just thought when Jesus on the cross, getting whipped, when you watch the, the movie The Passion, you just like, I can't, I can't see it anymore. I don't, I don't want to see it anymore. How horrible that was. He was whipped for you and me. But how horrible is it to be in hell? How horrible is it to be in hell? I mean, I, I, from years back, I, I would go to people and say, do you know Jesus? Because I know they're dying. Do you sure you know Jesus? And, and you know, people are proud. Yeah, I know. Well, then pray with me anyway. What's it going to hurt? Do you really believe? I mean, people on their deathbed, do you really believe? Do you know? Do you understand what I'm telling you? I went to my grandfather, my grandmother. I went to people that were close to the family. I, 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 there was a man that uh, I, I grew up around. My, my wife had known him since she was a little three or four-year-old. She called him uncle, and he wasn't kin. He smoked, I mean, he smoked uh, uh, camels without a filter. Jack Daniels' bottle was under the truck. Just take a glug, you know, and knock you out just as much as he would smile at you. So, uh, macho man, Clint Eastwood. And people put him in hell because they know the way he lived. But I know something a little bit more. I know that the pastor who baptized me went and talked to him and led him to Jesus. And he and I, I asked him if he knew Jesus. He goes, yeah, I prayed the prayer. I prayed with the pastor. And this is when he was older. And him and I had conversations about Jesus. But when he died, I heard the people in town said, well, he, he busted hell wide open. I said, no, he didn't. We're not the judge. We don't know a person's heart. Quit judging people and just tell them you need to know Jesus. You need to call them. Come on, call them. Cause you, quit telling people you're going to hell. That's you upset. You are not the judge. We are not the judge. God is the judge. And we should cry and pray over people that they receive Jesus as Lord. So let's dig, let's dig in something. So there's also a future hell that's coming, and, and it's, it's even worse than the one that's now. Eternity, okay? An eternal hell. And I want to talk about five things in hell, and I want you to get ready to write down, but in life right now, there's some things that keep you stable. Light and foundation. I'm comfortable on this. I'm not going to fall through this. Huh? Anybody ever? Well, let's just go back to light. Even blind people can tell the light's on. Light makes you stable. Jesus is light. God is light. Heaven, there's no sun. God is light. And light keeps you stable. If you were in the darkness, feeling around, all your, let me get out of here. Let me have some light. God is light. In hell, there is no light. I heard a guy tell me one time that, I, oh, I serve the devil because he's going to, I'm going to be in charge of a thousand people when I get to hell. There's no light. You ain't going to see anybody. That's a lie. It's utter darkness. Utter darkness. No light. And then, then there's no solid. There's no foundation. It's the bottomless pit. You ever had a dream where you're just falling and falling and falling and you wake up finally and, 
utter torment. I don't want to go there, and I don't want anybody else to go there. It wasn't made for them or people. Revelations 9, 11, 17, and 20 said heaven is a bottomless pit. In Revelations 14, 11, it says the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest. Huh. Day or night, no rest. You ever been without rest? You kind of get cranky. You can't, you're a, a, a two-year-old without any rest. is like, ah, are you okay? Ah. You need a nap. My wife tells me time to time, you need a nap. It's funny, but think about the torment of no rest ever. Our bodies need rest. Our minds need rest. Even if it's just, for, just give me a minute. And you think I'm going to the bathroom. I'm like, Lord, help me. I need just a minute to gather my thoughts. You don't get a minute. No rest. No hope. No hope. There's no hope of ever getting out. Our blessed hope, my blessed hope, is this is not my home. Man, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more troubles, no more cares. Heaven. Heaven's my home. And I'm, 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 I'm working and fighting through this, through victory, to try to drag as many people to heaven with me. And sometimes you feel like you're dragging people. But what's our word, our sister gate? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. My brother hit a golf shot one time. One shot. We play in 18 holes. He hits one shot, and it's on a par three. It hits the green. It's about six foot from the hole, and so he goes to bragging. Y'all carry you all day, boys. Just don't drag your feet. It's a joke. How many of you are dragging your feet when it comes to the kingdom of God? We drag, and you come on, ride the train, get on here, quit dragging your feet. Come on and get on board. Let's stand up. Let's stand up for God. Let's do what God says. Come on, because people are watching you. Oh, you can talk Jesus all you want, but when they throw you, see you throw a hissy fit, you have messed up your witness. Y'all know what a hissy fit is. It's what a two-year-old does, but I've seen adults do it. The apostle Paul did it. The apostle Paul did it. And he had to repent. We have got to keep ourselves because people are watching and it's so important that you live your life where people want to go to heaven with you. So let's just address that right quick. I got one more point and it's not a pretty one. But let's, let's go this way. Do not let anybody keep you from serving God that's not Jesus. Do you hear me? People are going to hurt you. See the knives in my back? Huh? People are going to hurt me, going to hurt you. I probably hurt some people. I've repented. I repent. I repent to people. I've repented to my kids. The point is, we have to serve a living God, and we, we can, I can't let somebody keep me from serving God. 
Because I love God too much. If I quit, if, they, if, if, if I don't pastor in this church, I'm going to be preaching somewhere. I'm going to the jail. I'm going to retirement home. I'm going somewhere. It's really, really encouraging when, you know, the 80-year-old lady say, oh, you're good looking. I'm like, Thank you. But, but we're called to be a light and a witness. We're called to take a stand. We're called to be the encouragement. Now, here's the ugly one. And I, you, this, is, this is not a fun message, okay? But, but you need to know. Do you ever, you know, five times, and, and I think it's four times in Matthew and once in Luke, uh, that Jesus said there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You heard that? Weeping, wailing. Do you know where that came from? Outside of Jerusalem. Let's see if I wrote down the valley. The Valley of Gehenna. That's where they burned the dead bodies. That's where they put the trash. But what it was really famous for was it was the place where they did sacrifices to Moloch. Moloch was a big iron god, and, and they built a fire underneath him, and that's where they sacrificed their kids. Two kings sacrificed their kids. It's equivalent to abortion for me, but they marched their kids and whipped their kids till they walked into that fire, and there was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth from the children. And everybody knew what weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth was. We don't. But they did. Weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth forever. Think about that for a minute. Is your mom going to hell? Is your dad going to hell? Are your children, are your grandchildren, are you teaching them about Jesus? Are you teaching them about the love of God? Are you teaching them that heaven's our home, not what's happening in this earth? Because heaven's our home. And, and so there's a fire in hell, but there's the fire of God that will rest on you and empower you to be that light and that witness where what you say is powerful. And people will want to follow you to heaven. Because in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that, that everything who Jesus is, that's how you get to heaven. But it says before that, how will they know unless someone is sent? Unless someone tells them, how would they know? Oh, I, I believe God speaks to everybody. Think about when you was a kid. Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to show you the first time God spoke to you. Maybe you were a kid. Is heaven real? That's the Holy Spirit. Is heaven real? Is hell real? Is Jesus real? God will speak to you and ask you. And he'll start putting a desire in your heart to know him and to follow him and to get into his word. But you know what? It sure helps to have somebody cheering you on and encouraging you to receive Jesus. That's why we do kids' turn or vacation Bible school. That's why we do outreaches. That's why the church is so important that we, that we become the light and the salt in a community. But individually, God has called us all to be and not to beat somebody up. You're going to hell. I, it's not fun to talk about hell. I like to talk about heaven. Beautiful. 
wonderful. But we need to recognize that there are people around us that don't know Jesus, that don't know him. And, and you, well, you know, they may know, but you know, it's time to quit playing. It's time to quit playing and tell people it's time to quit playing. Real quick, I'm going to tell one more story. 9-11 hit. Universalists believe that as soon as that plane hit the, the, uh, uh, the building, that everybody went to heaven. That's eh. But there was a guy that worked in the building, and he witnessed to this girl every day. And they weren't, to talk, they weren't allowed to talk about Jesus or talk about religion, but he, he would get up on the elevator, and, and he'd go, hey, you ready to get on the bus? You ready to get on the bus? You ready to get on the bus and go to heaven with me? And, and then so it, it, during the work day, he'd walk by, you ready to get on the bus? And she goes, no, 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 I'm not ready. You ready to get on the bus? Every day, just about every day, he goes, you ready to get on the bus? No, I'm not ready. I want to live my life. I want to do what I want to do. It's the worst 10 words in, the, in, the book, in our vocabulary. I want to do what I want to do. The best ones are, what does the word say? What does the word say is what I want to do. The plane hit the building. They run out. And it's dust boiling. You know, you've seen the videos. You've seen it all. And, and uh, people are getting on buses because the dust is so bad you can't breathe. They would open up and get on the bus. Shut the door. And this guy runs and gets on the bus. And there's that girl on the bus. And he goes, are you ready to get, you're on the bus. Are you ready to receive Jesus? And she said yes, and, and, and half the people on the bus said, yes, I do too. And he led them all to Jesus. But how prophetic is that? Are you ready to get on the bus? You ready to live for God? And sometimes, you know, it takes those traumatic times and things like that. That's why I do an altar call at every funeral I do. And I do too many funerals. But I'm going to do an altar call because you need to recognize it's appointed unto man once to die. So I'm talking to you that if you don't know Jesus today, it's appointed unto man. You're going to die. And you're not going to be in control because there's utter darkness. You're not going to be in control. You're not going to see anybody in hell. Quit living those lies and thinking about those lies. It's time to start living for God. And I'm talking to everybody. It's time to step up our game. I mean, we're, we're, this is game seven of basketball, you know, the championship. or we're on, And you got to play with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. And that's what the Bible says. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, all that is within you. And it's time to quit playing. We got to get in the Word. We got to know what it says. We got to start living what it says and acting out in it because there are people waiting on you to step up and live for God. And when you step up, guess what? They're going to follow you. Jesus said, come follow me. And people followed him. And then the disciples said, come follow me. The first sermon, 2,000, 3,000 people got saved from Peter, who was uneducated, just like you. Just like you. Quit selling yourself short. God's called you for a purpose. So would you save your neighbor? If the house was on fire, would you run in there? Have you ever busted glass to get people out? Cars? Come on. Will you save somebody? Will you lead somebody to Jesus? Bow your heads today. 
if you don't know Jesus today, please accept him. Please, please quit playing, playing around with your life. God has a plan for you and a place for you. He's called you. You were born for such a time as this. You were born in this era and this time. God put you here on this planet. And it's time for you to let your light so shine, to be the light like Jesus was, to be salt. It's time to start sharing. There's some of you are soul winners in here. And God's called you to that. But if you don't know Jesus, would you lift your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor. I'm not going to embarrass you. Would you lift your hand and say, I, I, I don't know Jesus. How about you're in here? I'm not sure. I prayed a prayer a long time ago. I'm just not sure. God wants to give you assurance. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. <clears throat> Anyone else? The Holy Spirit spoke to you and had you raise your hand so you've got assurance. That's the Holy Spirit. Let's pray with that person. Y'all ready? Pray with me and say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I want to know when I lay down tonight that I'm saved, <coughs> saved forever. Thank you, Jesus, that you become more real than anything else in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So look at me. Only one person raised their hand. That means the rest of us are a child of God. Then it's time to stand up. It's time to live like never before. If you really believe, it's time to start living. Can you hear the call? Can you hear the, the it's time to run? It's time to take up the, the cross and follow Jesus? What does that mean? It means leave everything else behind, but just follow Jesus and what he's telling you to do. You can do that while you work. You can do that while you're being a parent. You can do that while you're being a grandparent. You're supposed to do it. When you go to work, when you live your life, you're living for Jesus to the uttermost forever. It's time to start reading. It's time to start listening to stuff. It's time to start getting in the Word. So, Father, I thank you for the Word today. Thank you, Lord, that hell's real. But, Father, we thank you more that heaven is real. And it's our home. And we're going to bust it wide open. And we thank you for the joy today, the peace today, not the fear of hell, but the victory belongs to us. But, Father, I thank you that we have knowledge now to turn people's lives towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.